Pegasus Podcast, presented by Night Sports Now. UCF news, views, and a few hot takes. Now, here are your hosts, Bailey Pewter Adams and Christian Anthracite Simmons. Welcome into episode 84. Be sure you're following us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at Simmons, and at Night Sports Now. Well, Christian, we were um, actually kind of going to make it through a week without having like a topic to overtake our main topic of the podcast, and we still won't, we'll try not to let it do that. Um, but with so much realignment, so much recruiting stuff lately, we thought, hey, maybe this, this week we'll actually jump right into our main topic until the news kind of came out of, it's not even really news yet. It's more like something that's on our radar, which is John Walker, a four-star defensive tackle slash top 100 player. Um, he's committing Thursday, and I remember reading on the news a few weeks ago that he had UCF in his top five, and you said, rightfully so, I mean, that's nice of him to include us, but we're not really in it, and apparently UCF is in it because Steve Wiltfong, uh, 247's director of football recruiting, submitted a crystal ball prediction in favor of UCF for John Walker, who again commits Thursday. He's choosing between UCF, Ohio State, Michigan, Florida, and Miami, and that's a a lot to to understand yeah and, and take it yeah i i don't even know what to think like the thing the, the alarming part to me is that steve wiltfong really isn't wrong very often because like he doesn't really <laughs> drop crystal balls unless he's very sure and the confidence level was six which isn't super high but i i don't know i he wouldn't have dropped that unless he was pretty sure it was happening and it sounds like then ohio state's 247 writer comes out with some stuff and they're like yeah we're not feeling confident either so i don't even know how to like quantify how big of a deal this is if UCF was going to would land a top 100 player nationally I didn't even think that was possible in the NIL era and I'm I don't even know like I literally like my my main thoughts are just sort of baffled and it's I'm definitely in the camp of like it's been a very exciting day on Twitter but like he commits Thursday and like I will believe it when he is wearing the UCF hat and announcing his commitment and I'm not going to believe it before that happens because this would just be such a tectonic seismic shifts in UCS potential as a recruiting as a program for recruiting like I don't even know how to quantify it I really don't this makes the Harris twins look like like just not even that significant of recruits and they're some of the highest rated recruits <laughs> in UCF history I mean I, I don't even know how to, like top 100 players are like I looked at the stat I was like I wonder how many top 100 players even go to the big 12 outside of Texas and Oklahoma and if he commits on Thursday UCF is just going to become the second program in the new big 12 to land a top 100 player in the last five years <laughs> Like, I, I don't, I, this is crazy. So I'm just kind it's, of yeah. into like, I don't, I'd almost don't want to believe it because I'm going to be so sad if it doesn't happen. Well, I'm right there with you. Cause I'm like, I'll wait and see until Thursday. And if it happens Thursday, great. And I think I'll take it a step further and be like, I'll just kind of still be a little cautious about how I feel until he signs uh, with, with UCF on signing day, because you know, everything changes with recruits today. We've seen it. But you know what, even if he doesn't like, even if he just commits and then he pulls an Isaiah Nixon in a few months, the, exposure UCF is going to get and the way other guys are going to take them more seriously and be more interested in taking visits and listening because someone of John Walker's caliber commits is worth it for that alone. That's and honestly, so Isaiah Nixon, the, un sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but like the oh, understanding yeah. with Isaiah Nixon is that, or the rumors, I guess I should say, is that he left because Florida gave him an NIL deal. Is that true? I don't know. A lot of people who are reputable think it is true. Ohio state has more money than God. And if there, if he's not going there, like, I don't know how likely someone's going to like swing an NIL offer for him to convince him to go somewhere else. UCF has a collective now, maybe UCF's doing something for him. I mean, who knows, but, the, but this is like the whole Gus Malzahn hometown hero thing. This is like, I mean, you know, I, I, I just, yeah. I, 
I'm stuttering because I don't even know how to quantify this. It's well, that's what makes it so interesting is the idea of, you know, it raises UCF stature. And even if he does decommit, like think about the time that he's committed. If he commits Thursday, think about the momentum it'll give UCF and who knows what other players they're going to be able to add, you know, while he's committed even in, in, in the, under the assumption that he does decommit, which is kind of a dumb assumption to make, but even under that assumption, like in the time that he's committed to UCF, the players that they can add, and if he does decommit, like, are those people also going to leave just because, no, they'll, they'll probably fall in love with UCF. They'll fall in love with the, the coaching staff, specifically T-Will, probably. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it, it just can raise the profile of the entire class as a whole. But, I mean, obviously he would be a huge get if, if they can get him to commit and stay committed and come to UCF. I mean, a top 100 player is, is wild. I mean, it raises, the, it raises the profile of the new Big 12 in some ways. Like, yeah. I, I mean, like I UCF steals recruit coveted by Ohio State from Ohio State sounds like an onion headline. Like, I don't even know. <laughs> like, I, I just, just the idea of it, how, how it's gone over with Ohio State fans has been funny to track. Well, they're rightfully shocked because I'm not going to sit here and act like we're like some UCF homers. We're like, yeah, UCF's in it. Like we knew that UCF had really built a relationship there. We knew UCF had pitched on being a hometown hero. He'd visited campus multiple times. As you point out, I never for one second was like, yeah, I think UCF's in it for this guy. I and was I like, it's nice that to. I said, it's a good sign that two years in these guys are at least listening to UCF and visiting UCF. But no, I, I just, I don't know. Like I, I never would have considered that a top 100 player, especially in the NIL era would not only seriously consider UCF, but actually possibly commit to UCF, which we might see in a couple of days. Well, I don't know too. Cause I, I probably at the time, or we probably at the time talked about, you know, he's one of those guys where, Hey, if he doesn't work out, he's a guy they have a relationship with and they want to bring him back in the transfer portal in a couple of years, if that becomes a yep. reality. And so, you know, thinking at the time, it was like, yeah, maybe they're still like in it for that, but no, I mean, for them to be in it in his recruiting, he makes his decision and commits on Thursday. I mean, that's, you know, more as we have, I mean, we, we talked about potentially, you know, covering this again later this week, if, if something like that goes We down. probably need so, to do an emergency podcast yeah. on it if it happens. We might have to do an emergency podcast if uniforms drop this week, which that'd I be great. They're going to. So could get a lot, you could to. be hearing a lot of us this week. Yeah. Part of me was like, should we even do the podcast today? Cause like, I like the uniforms are definitely coming this week and I'm going to be, I'm just going to be annoyed if they come tomorrow, which like a lot of people seem to think is happening. And like, yeah, that will be just frustrating for me but well, it'll it'll annoy me too and i think like, i like that we're doing this today as its own standalone podcast because i like this topic so much and i think it's so much fun to talk yeah about. we had a lot it's of just fun gonna be this one last year a shame if it gets buried because we have two more i think if we do these emergency podcasts they're not gonna be full-length podcasts so hopefully people are listening regardless but yeah what we're talking today is uh overs and unders for ucf in 2022 last year for some reason we did an odd number we did 11 of them but we did we picked came up with 12 categories this year and I really enjoyed doing this last year. I think this year's topics are more fun. Like, I think, I think this is going to be even better than last year's. I really enjoyed doing last year's because I went seven and three. And um, I don't, did you come up with my record? Cause I didn't no. go back and, okay. I didn't, I just had it in, I had mine in like my notes. Like I, I didn't oh. listen, I didn't listen back to the pod. So I don't know what yours was. I'm sure it wasn't as good as mine. Cause I'm pretty smart. I was listening back to the pod and I got like halfway through. It was like, I can't, I'm cringing too much at this. Talking about how great of a season Dylan Gabriel is going to have. Yeah. Bailey was so. very upset listening. He texted me like three different times. Like I, you know, I just don't like how nice I'm to Dylan Gabriel. I was on the hype train last year. I was on the hype train. Yeah. And I was year. the Dylan Gabriel critic. And so. Basically everything I say comes true, except for most of the things I say. So, yeah. But yeah, yeah. so basically just make sure to take mine really seriously because I, I killed this last year. So okay, I'm basically yeah, about to predict fair. the season here. Fair enough. All right. Well, let's get, let's get rolling. We have 12 of them. We'll start with number one, which is wins, including the postseason. We set the over under at 10 and a half. Go ahead. Oh, I, didn't know I was going first. Okay. Um, 
I am going against everything that I like to believe about myself as a pessimist. I'm going to take the over on 10 and a half. And my reasoning is that, so we should say that that's for full season, not, not like yeah. just regular season. And like, Including I'm like, post-season. okay, they play nine games in the state of Florida. Every team they play or every team they lost to last year, they get at home. Like they should be very good this year. Like I'm expecting 10 and two. And at that point, if they're 10 and two, they're probably in the AAC title game and they're at bare minimum in a bowl. So I'm like, I just need them to win one of those games. I feel good about 10. I feel good about the, the taking the over on that. I, I don't know if they're going to be, I don't think they're gonna be like 13 and one or anything, but like, I just, from what I'm proje- projecting, I feel like that's doable. Right. And we, I, we have the same reasoning for this. I took the over also the nine games in Florida, like win seven of them. I don't know. Like, I mean, you shouldn't I, lose any of those, to be honest, they really should be undefeated in the state. You would hope, but so I, I think just the way I looked at it, I feel good overall about 10 and two or even 11 and one, if everything goes well. And at 10 and two, they probably get two chances. Like you said, they get two chances to win one more game and hit the over. And I mean, look at, look at the schedule. Like which games are losable to you? That's what I was getting into. So like, okay, I, I'm going to have a lot on the list, but like I, I include a like losable to me is like even 1%. I listed losable. five. Okay. Let me think about this. So let me go through it. I would say obviously Louisville is losable. I expect them to lose that. I would say SMU. I'd say at East Carolina. I'd say Cincy. I'd say at Memphis. That's it. Yeah. So I have five. We have the same list. Really? Yeah. Okay. There you go. Same exact there list. you go. And I again, it's like, question mark next to and it's like a like... nightmare scenario then where you see it like UCF would not lose every remotely losable game on their schedule. You know, like you go into any, right. year, there's typically four or five games. You're like, yeah, they could lose that, you know, based on saying, if they go three and two or like if they go four and one or even three and two in those games and they win the games, they should be winning. They're going to hit the over. With, Think about with... it this way. Every single like outside of the COVID year in 2020, they've been perfect at home every year in the last five years, set in 2017 and 2018, 2019 and 2021. If they just do that this year, I think their floor is 11 and one. Right. Which is crazy. It's, it's one of those things where like, kind of with the John Walker thing, like I'll see it when I believe it, as far as them losing a home game in front of a full crowd. Cause like, yeah, it just, I agree. And it, it's entirely possible. Like I, I do think Louisville is going to be a tough game. Obviously Cincinnati coming in, I think, SMU could be, but you know, there's some on there that like, you, I guess they could lose it. It's just, it's hard to even imagine. I don't remember what it's like walking out of that stadium after a loss. What I'd like to look at is when was the last time UCF lost a home game with a really good crowd? Probably. <laughs> My mind immediately went to Texas in 07. <laughs> uh, no, it's been later than that. Yeah. I think it would be Maryland in 2016. I think they sold out for that game. But really, really? yeah, but you know, I'll I'll accept a home loss with a good crowd when you're two games removed from 0 and 12, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I I just like, like I said, like it's stupid. I'm not saying you're me like, that's right, guys. UCF is never ever going to lose a home game again for the rest of time. They're guaranteed like it's going to happen. It will happen, but I feel like it'll happen next year if they host like Oklahoma (laughs) or like Baylor or whoever. Like, there's not really anyone on this schedule who I'm like, other than Louisville, who I'm like, oh man. That could be a home loss. I'm just not worried about Cincinnati at home. I, I think like I think people would be surprised with Cincinnati this year. I think we should be building up Louisville. I, I think know, but like, part of me, part of me thinks more of it. I'm just building up so much in my head that it's going to come and UCF's going to just win it like by 15 points. I think UCF could totally win that game by double digits. I think they could win any any game on their schedule by double digits. It just doesn't mean they're going to. Yeah. I just think that we're we fall into this trap as a society that every time <laughs> we are going into a new college football season, we barring if the team is a blue blood that we're always expecting to be back or if a team lost their coach, barring those two scenarios, we largely expect every team to just be what they were last year. 
And like, I think you're seeing that this year where Louisville people aren't really worried about because they weren't very good last year and Cincinnati. Oh, they just made the playoff. It's like, I think Louisville's the big home game this year. I don't think Cincinnati, Cincinnati is going to be fine, but I think they're like an eight and four or nine and three team this year. And like Louisville, I think could win the ACC. So I'm more worried about Louisville. You know, they have a really freaking good quarterback. And no matter what the record was last year, when a team returns a really freaking good quarterback, and let's keep in mind, this team is a team that beat UCF last year. <laughs> I'm going to be more worried about that game. And, you know, in a you know relatively healthy UCF too. It wasn't like they beat UCF late in the season. Well, they I, I mean, relatively. I mean, they were missing guys for that game. Who are they uh, missing? Well, I mean, people people went out during that game, right? Well, that's the thing know. is Bowser got hurt during the game. Jalen Robinson got hurt during the game. Ricky Barber got hurt during the game. So they, I mean, they were having issues. But either way, yeah. yeah. They, I don't think that like I think UCF very easily still loses that game even if they're perfectly healthy. You know? Yeah, it's very so. possible. All right, well, let's move on to the second one. We've I just have to so say far. I love that I started this by saying, yes, I think UCF will win 11 or more games, and then I explained why they're absolutely losing to Louisville two games into the season. <laughs> so that's me in a nutshell. We'll talk more about that later because I have a similar feeling. Um, number two here, points per game. We set it at 38 and a half. Uh, I'm going to start this one. This yeah, one, you, you, got you the go first for one. it. I'm taking the under. Um, okay. They had 31 point. They averaged 31.9 last year. And I still think they're going to have a better offense this year. They're going to, you know, they're going to increase upon that number. I just don't know that they'll improve upon it by a full touchdown. Um, Cause as good as like their offense can be, and as good as of an offensive mind, I think Gus Malzahn is his offenses aren't really built to score a ton of points. That's why I had a lot of trouble with this one, because even at Auburn, when Auburn was like peak good, like even with Cam Newton, they weren't necessarily like. I have it all by here. If, if you want it, go for it, go for it. Yeah. Okay. So Let's start from 2013 when he took – that was the year they took Nick Marshall to – Nick Marshall took him to the national championship, right? Yeah. 39 and a half is what they averaged that year. So they were 12th in the nation at 39 and a half. So there's, you know, the one that you think. The next year uh, they had 35 and a half, which is under what we're saying this year. That was 25th in the country. The next year was 27 and a half, which was 74th. The next year was 31.2, which was 49th. And then the next year was 33.9. The next year was 30.9. 2019, they were back up to 33.2. And then as last year at Auburn, they were up to 25.1 or down so, to 25. So the caveat I will give there is it is hard to average 40 plus points in the SEC. Like even yeah. if you're Auburn, it is difficult. Right. And But I, part of it too is just like the style, like Gus Malzahn's preferred style of offense is very deadly and very dangerous, but it's not like hypos where you're putting up points in bunches because you're just taking shots downfield over and over. Like Gus and Malzahn- you're not having scoring drives of like 38 seconds. No, like part of the beauty of Malzahn's offense is the ability to control possession, which is something that didn't even sort of matter to UCF under Hypo and Frost. I'm not saying it should have. I'm not saying one's right or wrong. I mean, the UCF offenses under Frost and Hypo were electric, but they, especially under Hypo, they didn't hurt the defense. And Malzahn, I mean, Malzahn is a run for, it's a run first offense. So it, it, it is harder. Um, that being said, I took yeah. the over. Oh, okay. Uh, um, and my reasoning for taking the over is, I mean, we set it at, we set the over under at a touchdown better than they did last year. And even under offense, the offense was just so broken and not good last year that I have to believe that this year's will be more than a touchdown better. And even last year, after Dylan Gabriel went down, they still scored 30 plus points, three times, 40 plus points twice. And that was with like a dead in the water offense that could not function. So I think that like, yes, Malzahn's offense is like everything we just talked about, but at the same time, like there are so many teams, like I'm just looking through schedule teams that should, they should hit 40 against, I would say SC state FAU. I think they have a shot against Georgia Tech. Temple, they absolutely should. East Carolina, they could. Tulane, they will. Navy, they could. USF, they could. It's like there's a lot of get, Like when you look at the actual schedule, I'm like, I see a yeah. lot of games where if this offense is as good as we think it is, they should be cracking 40 points. 
I did struggle with this one because right off the bat, I was like, oh, I'll take the over. Like, it's it's a UCF offense. They have a lot of talent. I think the skill positions this year are just stacked. But I don't know. So for some reason, I looked at it and I was like, I, I think it was the idea just of Gus's offense being the way it is. And I, it, it does bring more balance. I mean, we talked about it when he got hired. It was like they needed to give the defense, like they needed to slow it down a little bit because, yeah, maybe you sacrifice some of that high power, like high octane offense, but you also give your defense a chance. And I think we saw that at times last year. And I think, yes, the offense will be better this year, but I still think there will be that balance where – I don't I don't know. It, it is because when you look at the opponents, I think they could, you know, hit those numbers and, and hit the over here. My issue just, with the – like I went conservative. My issue with, like, the hypo offense in particular and the relationship with the defense was that, like, Gus's offense, there were times, especially when Dylan was healthy, where, like, they would go fast. I mean, against Boise, they had a couple of those lightning drives where there's, like, you know, no huddle, let's do it. And I, like under Hypo, the problem was that like that was all they could do. And regardless of the game situation oh. or the flow of the game, they could not change their pace. <laughs> and under Malzahn, they would. It's like once they got the like against Boise, when they were down 21 nothing, they were playing fast. And yeah. when they got the lead, they slowed down. And it's like that just being able to modify the pace is such a difference maker. <laughs> I think my thing too is like, yeah, like I said, I, I think they're going to improve, but I think maybe they'll average around 36, 37 points, which they could, which they, isn't bad. The under could whole. hit and they could be 11 and one. Right. Like, uh, like teams that like, it was really cool when UCF put up 48 points per game, obviously, but like, you don't have to, to be really good. In fact, right. most teams don't put that up that are really good. So, yeah. So we talked a little bit about balancing out with the defense. So we'll move on to points allowed per game, which we set at 24 and a half, which is about what they did last year. So we just kept it where it was. And a- what? I was going to say what I, I was going to say mine. Oh, I go ahead. Yeah. Talking. Go ahead. What were you going to say? No, I, I don't remember what I was going to say. It's your, you're sometimes you anyway. take these pauses and I think you're done talking. Cause I have a much faster talking speed than you. And I realize you're still going. And then I'm like, whoops, <laughs> I just interrupted Bailey for no reason. Oh no. Um, I took the under, but I don't like feel awesome about it. So the same that way. Makes <laughs> yep. I took the under and I don't feel great about it. I mean, there are only like, this is going to sound so cocky and I'm going to hate that this is on audio in like six months, but like I, <laughs> when I'm looking at the schedule, I'm like, I can only pick out like five teams that I think can get over 25 points. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's difficult because you look at it like, yeah, it's hard to, it's college football. Like it, it's different. It's hard yeah. to give up that, like that level. I mean, 24 and a half last year, the defense was very good last year, but I just feel so good about the front set or not the front seven necessarily. I feel good about the defensive line. I was about feel to very say. <laughs> good. feel very good about the secondary. And I still think that things are going to work out at linebacker. I'm hoping against hope, I guess. I don't know. I, I think Jeremiah Jean Baptiste is going to have a good year. I have high hopes for Jason Johnson. We'll see. Um, <laughs> we'll see about the others. <laughs> but yeah, but I have, like, I do feel like the defense is going to be good. And yeah, when you take the schedule into account, there's some teams in there that I think UCF should be able to help its average against. I mean, so, here, I, I made a list of teams that I just don't see a reality where they hit the over on that where they yeah. score 25 points or more and it's sc state fau georgia tech temple navy and tulane okay and that's half yeah, the schedule I mean... and i'm like all those teams <laughs> i'm like i just don't and i could be horribly wrong i mean it could turn out that you know tulane has a new offensive coordinator i think or something like that and they are crazy i mean it's just based on what we know now i just the defense should be better than it was last year and it was really good last year so i i like i think like i think this one could be close like i feel like if like i had to predict that could be like they allow like 22 a game or like something yeah. real like i don't think they're going to come out and like we said at 24.5 we yeah. said at 24.5 they could come in at 24.2 like it really i can could. see it like, like i said i don't think they're elite to the point they're holding like i don't know i don't even think they're going to hold teams in the teams i just think it'll be in the low 20s you know yeah that'll be interesting be interesting to follow that um the fourth one <laughs> yeah well 
<laughs> the fourth one, um, field goal percentage. We set um, it at we set it at fifty seven point one percent. Why did we set it there? That's what it was last year. Oh, God, I couldn't believe that. Did I mean, you... as bad as the kicking game was, I couldn't believe that. Is there a more unsung hero in recent UCF history than Dylan Barnes? <laughs> maybe not i don't know how many ucf fans even know his name and he is the kicker who took over after matt wright i think was just ucf's kicker for one season and i think he hit like 88 percent of his field goals which was even higher than matt wright and we were just like ah field goal's not a thing that we ever have to worry about and oh, in the obarski area boy has it been did you know we have to worry about did you know obarski's technically like his his field goal percentage was like considerably worse last year than it was in 2020 which is really funny. But I do think part of it is a couple of times Gus put him out there at like 52 and was like, yeah. go for it, which so I didn't really understand. I, I have the breakdown. In 2020, he hit 70.6%. And from between 20 and 29 yards, he was six for eight. Shouldn't really be missing any of those. Um, between 30 and 39, he was six for seven. And 40 to 49, he was 0 for two. Last year, 57.1%. He was three of three between 20 and 29. Good for him. Uh, four of five between 30 and 39. Then 40 and 49, he was one for five. He just doesn't have the leg for it. Do you know how frustrating it like, is? he was any, 0 for 1 on 50 plus. But. Anything past like 33 or 34 yards, you're just not sure. And it is His so hard high, to function I as think an it's 42. With that. that is horrible. I think. And so it's, it's curious here. Um, is this one my time to go first? I think it is. Yep. So I wrote, I wrote these down out on paper, like an old school man. Um, and I, I said over, and then I put please with a question, uh, question mark after it. I, I literally I need it to be over. I wrote over and my note underneath it was, I really, really hope so. And I mean, like, <laughs> I don't Boomer. know. I don't even know who's going to win the kicker job if it's Colton Boomer or Obarski. I mean, like we, we've seen who Obarski is and that's why like, regardless of what Boomer is, I'd kind of rather have Boomer, <laughs> but it's not, I mean, what we heard from spring ball at least was like Boomer's leg is absurd. Like he can nail like 60 yard plus field goals in practice, but he, he isn't necessarily like super accurate, like especially yeah. from the hashes. So it's like, can you do both? Like if it's, yeah. if it's like, is that, is that a thing teams do? Like if it's below 30, you have Obarski take it. If it's beyond 30, you just have Boomer. I'm sure they in. might, they might explore something like that. I mean, if you're, if you're going to carry two kickers on your roster, I mean, you probably should maybe do something like that. I think they're both on scholarship them. too. Which, uh, actually, Boomer might've been a PWO. I don't remember, but either um, way. But yeah, I took the over. I mean, yeah, 57.1 is hard to do. I don't think they could do that again if they tried. It's very hard. Like, I, that is really difficult to be that bad. So, and I'm really just hoping it's not Obarski. I, I just, well, you remember? I can't. Do I think that it was again. when we were talking like spring spring ball storylines. I was like, this is when we need to start to see some separation between the two. And I was like, because if if he doesn't come in and like show that he's already like a little bit better than Obarski, then we're in trouble. I mean, I don't really know. We didn't get a ton. But that's the thing is, it's not necessarily he didn't show that. It's just like there yeah. were more interesting things to be covering during spring ball. Right. Like, you so know, we, didn't, we didn't. Was going to be. I don't um, remember. They they kicked in the spring game, but I don't really remember anything like I, bad, I, good or bad, one way or the other. Well, because the the spring game was so was offensive fireworks. I don't think there were a ton of field goal opportunities in it right. anyway. But I don't know. Like I said, the, what we do know for a fact is that Boomer's leg is insane, but he's not particularly accurate and i'm like i think i would just take that over the guy that because it's not exactly like obarski's accurate i mean he's not i i just so it's like i don't know what we're doing there you know he's not he still missed one between 30 and 39 last year the year before he missed two between 20 and 29 yards like those are the ones like i, I also if i could pick and maybe i'm just totally wrong on this but if i could pick between having a kicker who can more or less convert all the short range field goals, but can't do the long range versus a kicker that can nail the long range field goals but can't doesn't have the accuracy for the short range ones 
I'm taking the kicker who can hit the long range ones. Cause especially with this offense, I'm like, okay, well then fine. If it's like within 20, you just go for it on fourth down and hope it works out. And like, I'd like, it's just, it adds a whole dimension to your offense that you do not have. If like you can get stopped pretty early and it's like a 49 yard field goal and you can get points out of that. And UCF just hasn't had that for two years. And it's really frustrating. It's one of those things that you don't even really notice or like appreciate until you don't have it, I think. Yep. And it's, it's part of it is, my background as somebody who's watched the Bucks my entire life between like 2012 <laughs> and 2020, they just didn't have a kicker. Like they couldn't figure it out. And so I went through all that and was like, this is absurd. And then now it's happening with UCF where it's like, they need to find someone who can kick the ball. Okay. But quick tangent, how in the world can an NFL team not have a good kicker? There are only <laughs> 32 starting kicker jobs on the face of the earth. Like, how can you, like, what is the excuse to not having a good kicker? Just go get one. Like, I mean, seriously, I don't get it. <laughs> you it makes no sense. It's ridiculous. Um, all right. So hopefully the kicking game is better this year. If that over doesn't hit, UCF's in trouble. Like, <laughs> it's going to be bad. My goodness. Though, if, if that over doesn't hit, I'll tell you right now, they'll lose a game because of it. They'll, I lose, agree, an extra lose... Game. they'll lose an extra game because, because of that. You could argue they lost multiple games last year off of that. I mean, he missed field goals against, didn't he miss... Uh, he missed one against Navy and they lost that game by three. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I like, we all talk about the Memphis game. Cause it was like, literally like, okay, Obarski, you can either win or lose this game. And he was like, I know which way that's going. But like, <laughs> I mean, there, there are other situations where it's like, it happened earlier in the game, but like, wow, if he had made that, it would have not been a close game late. Well, didn't, UCF would have not missed, been down. I think he missed one or two against USF and that game wouldn't have been close late. He missed really easy ones against yeah. USF. He wait, Oh God. He missed <laughs> the one against, uh, what do you call it? Florida. That was not his fault. Yeah, no, that I, told, I felt I bad for him that. at that point. Cause I have no idea why Gus was like, after what he'd seen all season was been like, this is Obarski's moment. Like we're putting like, him on the biggest stage and he's going to convert from, it wasn't like a 52 is, yard. Yeah. He's like, his career long is 42. This one's like a little, this one's over 50, but I mean, he could probably make it right. It also didn't even come close. Like no, it wasn't even no, like, no. it was, it was, I think it was like wide right and didn't even have the distance. Like it's, it was just all kinds of awful. You know, you see some of those missed kicks sometimes where you're like, ooh, ooh, like you're like not sure. Right off, as soon as it left his foot, you're like, okay. Like, I mean, we saw that coming. And that really bothered me because we poke fun at Obarski, but it's like he is a human being. Like he's a college yeah. student. And it's don't like- put a, him in that situation. That's the thing. Don't put him in that situation. Like, you know what his limitations are. You've seen him in practice. Like, I, I have a hard time believing that in the weeks leading up to the Gasparilla Bowl, he was in practice nailing like 60 yarders. And Gus was like, we have a second coming, a kicker. Like, I think Gus just like- for, I think Gus just had old uh, old school mindset there because I think that would have put, I forget what the score was, but it was really advantageous if they made that field goal and Gus was like, screw it, let's go for it. Well, do you remember also earlier in the season where he just refused to kick field goals? So like it was weird to go from that at the beginning of the season to like the very end. They were faking field goals. <laughs> I mean, they were literally faking field goals. I'm sure you can probably hear, listener, that uh, there's a dog in the background going absolutely bananas. Um, yeah. So there's that. Bailey's uh, dog is uh, having some fun move on to the fifth one, which is quarterbacks to start a game, which is a particularly interesting one. That's not going to happen. It's like, that's one that you don't talk about probably for every team in the country, but yeah, you set it at one and a half. Um, yeah, I took the over and I like really don't want that one to come true, but I just, I, from what we know, Mikey and JRP are both very much still in this quarterback race. There may not be a ton of separation. There's a stylistic separation more than there's a talent separation. And I feel like if anything goes wrong, there is a chance that changes. And that worries me deeply because I yeah. don't want to, that's the one like for all the potential the season has, the way it goes off the rails and is terrible is if they can't figure out quarterback. And that's why I said on a past podcast, like 
I would rather like, if you switch once or twice, fine. But like, it gets to the point where it's like, you just need to commit to a guy. And even if like, he's not playing well, you just need to stick it out. You just have to, because the flip-flopping will kill you. Right. Yeah. Because we've talked about it too. Like they've got two guys capable that we, like we think they're both capable of starting, which, so it, it's, if early on, maybe you have to switch to one, it, it might not derail your season, but if, yeah, if it's a constant flip-flop, like that's tough. I also took the over because there's just so many variables in play. Yeah. Like there's, there's the whole ineffective. If one of them's ineffective, you're going to see the other one. If it's a, str- I mean, if it's a strategy thing, like it, it depends on how technical you want to get with this too, because like, if you give JRP the first drive, if Mikey's a starter, but you give JRP the first drive in a game, technically the overhead started a game, yeah. game. So there's that. And then there's obviously injury. I mean, you can never talk about UCF quarterbacks without mentioning the possibility of injuries because it's bad. It's just they have the worst luck with that, it feels like. So, but yeah, with all those factors, I feel like we'll see Mikey and JRP both at least start. Let me, let me ask a fun wrinkle. So like injuries aside, is it more likely that the overhits if Mikey starts the first game or if JRP starts the first game? Let me unpack that in my brain. Um, I think th- it's more likely if JRP starts the first game. Because okay. JRP, JRP, obviously, his strength, I think, is more just the run game, and he can, he can run better than Mikey can. But the question mark has been his ability to throw the ball. And if they just can't run the full offense because he's struggling with accuracy, then you see Mikey start because he can throw the ball. He may be, may be a little more limited on the ground. but you got to do what you got to do. I feel like if Mikey starts, I mean, it's still possible, but I feel like it's less likely. So I agree, but for a slightly different reason, I think that I don't, from what we, especially what we saw with Mikey last year, I don't really see Mikey losing UCF a game. I see like if he doesn't improve at all, which I think is unlikely, but say he didn't improve at all. And he starts like, I could see UCF not reaching their full potential on offense and losing games like in the long term because of that. But like, Mikey's not prone to those like types of mistakes where it's like, wow, the game was really lost on that really bad throw or that game. was And like, cause you know, he just does what he's told to do. And JRP is, uh, you know, just from that, not even just JRP from, from that style of quarterback, like his mistakes will feel a lot more noteworthy. Yeah. And that's kind of my reasoning for it, if that makes sense. So I just make sure I'm getting that right. So you're basically saying like Mikey won't lose them a game. It's just that like, he might not do enough, but like, you know, like he might not do yeah. enough for them to win, but, but Mikey might like, like Mikey's version of not doing enough is like, he didn't see a receiver on that play and ended up throwing it away. Yeah. JRP's version of not doing enough is like chucking it off field off, chucking it downfield off balance and it getting picked. And it's like, those moments have more weight, even if it's the same net result. Like, I'm not yeah. saying that like JRP is more likely to lose them games. I'm saying that it will feel that way. And that's how I could see it just from their styles of play, you know? Yeah. And I yeah, think what I mean, you said is, I also think that Mikey's just more of a proven commodity. I mean, JRP hasn't started a game since 2019. I mean, Mikey went seven and three, seven and three as a starter last year. He did not lose UCF a game. I mean, he didn't. He yeah. hit the ceiling of a true freshman. But I mean, like Milton lost UCF games in 2016. Dylan Gabriel lost UCF games in 2019. And yeah. which I'm not like bashing either of them. That's what true freshmen do. But that's why I'm so excited for what Mikey could become because he really didn't. And that's pretty unusual. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's gonna be interesting. Like, I think it's weird because I'd be pro- I'd probably be surprised if the under hit here. I gotta be surprised if the guy who started week one. Doesn't. I don't know if I'd be surprised because I think there is a real chance that one of them starts and just the offense with all the skill talent around them and how good the O line's supposed to be. Like the offense is just fine, you know. And Something what I don't a, want is anything wrinkle. reactionary. Like I don't want yeah. after the first loss there is now a different quarterback. Like that would just be a nightmare. The interesting wrinkle of like, oh maybe maybe Mikey's a starter, but JRP starts a game or like maybe Mikey might be JRP's a starter. And Mikey comes in and I don't know, it, it could be interesting, but I, yeah, yeah. I think injury is the other big wild card. I mean, yeah, hopefully that doesn't come into play. Yeah, I would, I would strongly prefer it not. 
Um, number six, this one's going to be kind of interesting to, considering what we talked about last week, um, which is Isaiah Bowser carries per game. We set it at 16 and a half. Um, I think it is my turn to go. Yes, and contrary turn. to what I said last week about him, uh, me wanting 18 per, per game from him, I kind of ran the numbers and crunched the numbers a little bit more. I'm taking the under and I've changed my thinking to, I kind of want to see more between like 14 and 15 per game from him. So like close to the, to that number, but 14 to 15 per game. I mean, last year he had 19.9 per game, you know, 159 carries over eight games. And that's a lot. If I, if I had my way, he would average like five carries a game against half the schedule. (laughs) Like five carries against SC State, against FAU, against Georgia Tech, against Temple, against Tulane, against well, Navy. <laughs> like, I, you here's know? the thing. Like, we had this conversation during te- over text last week before we even decided to add this one in to, as a category. But I was like, at some point, like 14, 15 carries per game, if he's averaging that, like, if he still can't stay healthy because of that, he's just either really, really unlucky or he's just really, really like made of glass. So, what I said to you, he might just be made of glass. Like, that's part <laughs> of my like, determination here for how many carries I want to have is like, I don't believe that he can stay healthy on a full workload. Like that's why I feel just, that way. It's just so weird. Cause I don't know. It's, I don't know. You look at the guy and like, you're like, that guy is a strong, he's solidly built. He's a strong guy, but he's got, he's just, been hurt off and so on his unlucky. whole career. And it's not even like one injury. He keeps exacerbating. He's had like many different injuries, which was why I feel like part of it is just, he's unlucky. Like, I, you can't, you're not unlucky for four years, man. Like if it happened in a season, it's unlucky. Like he just, he just gets hurt. You know, it's, there's it's some weird. players that are just like that. And that's why I think that he should average three carries a game. Um, I'm just going to keep lowering the number every time I say it. Like, I literally want him to be like perfectly healthy and completely fit. And then just like, so that he can go crazy in like three games against like Louisville, Cincy and whoever the other third tough team is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I wrote it out. I don't know where I have it, but I wrote out like, per game what i want him to get in each game and i think it, i forget what it mapped out so i think it mapped out to about 15 yeah 14 or something like that yeah this all being um, said i took the over what <laughs> i'm not the one deciding this well, I, mean, I know like, that what I, I want is yeah, what's yeah, gonna I happen consider that i did consider that i mean my reasoning is that like the more i thought about it and even though i still fully stand on my strategy which i think gus should employ gus if you're listening i'm sure you're a big pegasus podcast fan um please take our advice i have some thoughts on quarterback too if you want to hit me up but um, I like Bowser is trying to go to the NFL and he could have tried to go last year. I don't think he would have been drafted. He might've gone on as an undrafted free agent, but like, I don't think it's a good look as because if the coaching staff wants every guy who has that last year of eligibility to come back. And we saw that in spring. I mean, it was Gus's whole thing. We treat them like pros. It's like most of them were non-contact. They were treated like professionals. They were treated a little differently than the rest of the team. And like, I don't think it's a good look then if like Bowser wants to keep playing and get those stats he would need to be noticed by NFL teams and Gus be like, no, no, we're going to need you in two weeks against Cincy. So I don't think I'm going to get my way, but I Mm -hmm. wish I would. That's actually a really good point, but I'm still taking the under. Like, I still feel like. I hope you're right. (laughs) I would like like you to be right. It's, it's a weird thing with the NFL. Like they, yeah. Like I think production might catch people's eyes, but like, it's more, if people are keeping like keeping an eye on him anyway, or like they're but are people keeping an eye on him after well, I mean, if you're like, doing your if job you're Ohio State yeah it's more about physical but like I mean how many people like how many NFL scouts are checking out what's going on at UCF unless they have a reason to no I'm just saying by the end of the season it's more like hey if I'm gonna do my research and do my evaluations of these draft eligible running backs let's take a look at this guy he's got a good build what did he do with the 14 carries per game that he got maybe like, what, but- what is he what traits does he show is he like does he have a good first step like just stuff like 
I don't know, just stuff. Is, is he hitting the hole? Does he dance in the backfield? Is he prone to fumbling? I think it's a lot of it's that stuff. I guess the, the production is things like he'll get more attention during the season from, you know, senior bowl people and give himself no, no, a, a lot of that. it is that stuff, but I'm saying at the same time, like it's NFL teams aren't stupid. Like it's not like they're going to somehow like forget he has an injury history. And if they're looking at this season, well, that's why, like, wow, he only had five carries in like half their games. Wonder what that's about. Can he really handle an <laughs> NFL schedule? You know, it's like that, that is going to matter. That's why I don't love his NFL chances anyway. I don't like them. If he stays healthy this year, he could be like, well, I don't know as much about the NFL as you, but he could absolutely get drafted. And I think even like fourth or fifth round just because of his like physicality. But like, if he has the same injury issues again, I don't think he's going to get drafted. Right. I mean, yeah, it's just, it'll be tough. It's, it's a weird thing for him because he's a really good player. It's just when he's healthy, he's amazing. Like, it's just so frustrating. And I know that's a story as old as time, but it is just really frustrating. Yeah. I should point out also that Otis, Adrian Killens, and Greg McRae, none of them ever averaged over 15 carries a game at UCF. Was a different coaching staff. But uh, that's another thing, too, is like, yeah, I know he's going to be the top running back, but they have so many running backs. Also, Bauman, Bowman, Bauman, I don't remember Bowman, how to pronounce his name. Is it Bowman? Uh, okay. might, might end up being eligible now that this new, that they're about to approve this new rule that transfers can transfer multiple times without waiting a year. I feel like he could go to the NCAA and be like, hey, I transferred a month before you made this ruling. I'd like to be eligible. So you can throw him in too. I even <laughs> think they, I don't even think they need him. And I'd actually prefer he not be eligible. Cause I think he could really use that year from just the way his personal situation has gone to kind of take it off and get back yeah. to his best version of himself. But either way, I mean, they have a billion options. I mean, I think I mean, Johnny MAR and Isaiah Bowser could all be starters, you know? Right. Like even if you don't take Bowman into consideration, yeah, just having Johnny as, as a guy, like as your one and two, and then MAR, I think is a guy who, Really, I just I want to see him get more opportunities this year because the he more he got really good last year, the more opportunities he got last year, the better he looked. So if they get him into a rhythm, I mean, I don't know. It's I one feel of like last where... year we were missing something with MIR, and I still feel that way because for how he looked when he was on the field, it didn't make sense why he wasn't getting on the field a lot. Yeah, I'd like to know because I mean, it's it it was weird all season. We were kind of like, why don't they give him the ball more? I mean, he won them the ECU game. Like every time he was on the field, he was really good, and especially when. And no disrespect to Johnny Richardson. I mean, I was like, you know, going off on him every episode of the podcast last year, which is unfair because he's he's better than I get. He's a lot better than I give him credit for. I'm just stupid sometimes. But I still, I think MAR has a higher ceiling than Johnny Richardson. And I feel like MAR is kind of built more as a real, like, starting running back than Johnny Richardson is. I do wonder, too, if, if like, taking this 16 and a half carries per game average, like, into, like, if you're talking about that, does and I know Bowser's gonna be the number one guy, but if a guy is having a good game, I don't think Gus like I think Gus will ride that guy, and I think there's a the high potential for a, a like another running back to have a really good game, which would lower the average for Bowser. It's it's a weird like balance game, but I do agree with, with that. Like if you're playing Georgia Tech and Bowser gets a carry and gets like three or four yards, whatever, MAR comes in and pops off for like 15 yard run, and then you feed MAR a little bit more. Maybe that's just MAR's game, and Bowser can right. just take a back seat. Like I think that would be very healthy. You know, it's like a, it's a it's a balance for Bowser's health, but also you got to take the NFL thing into consideration. But you also have to take into consideration the depth you have at running back and the amount of viable options you have. So like you also need why... those guys to not transfer because you're going to need them next year. You know, right. like you don't need you don't want Johnny or MAR <laughs> to start looking for another home. That's why I took the under and I'll probably end up being wrong because they just want to give him the ball 20 times a game. I hope they don't. I really hope, hope they don't. Um, the seventh one here. So we're, we're halfway home. Do you think we're, can I, can I say another thing on running yeah. back really quick? Do you think we're going to see Jordan McDonald at all? Yes. Okay. And like, maybe in like the four game, the customary four games, and then he gets redshirted. Yeah. I don't even know if he'll get to four games, to be honest with you. Well, I not the four, but I'm saying he, like he'll, 
get a game or two maybe i don't know if he'll get four full games. i, I, don't know if I could end up being games, really wrong but... in this but like i would not be surprised if he does not because i feel like ucf fans are very excited for him and i feel like he is probably the future of that position but he is a true freshman and like i i could see him not having a single meaningful snap this year still curious about xavier townsend who i'm still curious. i'm still because like yeah with mcdonald like he might redshirt but they're not going to redshirt townsend Oh, I think Townsend's going to play be right like, away. Yeah, so like he'll, he'll be like a factor be. in the offense, right? Like, I, we could be totally wrong, but based on like what we know now, and I, I mean, he wasn't here in spring, so you never know for sure. But I mean, he yeah. supposedly is like very college ready. So Hopefully yeah, I would hope case, to yeah. see a lot of Townsend because he's also um, just fun as hell and dynamic as hell. I mean, just that's <laughs> the other reason you can see a lot of him is he can do everything. Just put him wherever you have the need. Like it's not like he can do one thing, you know? The perfect segue right there. Because speaking of doing everything, players that throw a touchdown, we set it at three and a half. Yeah, Why we did. did we set it at three and a half? Because last year, UCF had four players throw touchdowns. Can you tell me who those four were? Can I? Yes. Okay, Dylan Gabriel. Yes. Mikey Keene. Yes. Ryan O'Keefe. Right. Uh, did Joe Gatewood throw him? Yes, he did, but when? I don't remember it. <laughs> I don't either. I just assumed he had to be the fourth, but... I saw it I saw it on the like ESPN like stats page or whatever, and I was like, when did Joey Gatewood throw a touchdown? Did he throw so... one against Tim? I don't know because Mikey had five that game, right? Yeah, I feel like in my brain somewhere there's a memory of Joey Gate with like it was just like a screen. I love how I said right after Mikey threw. I know Mikey threw five that game. That's the game I continue to go back to. All right, I'm looking Um, at I'm looking at Joey Gatewood's game log. Okay. Um, he threw a touchdown against Memphis. I don't have the first memory of that at all. I don't either. Um, well. I don't remember a lot of that game. UCF honestly. only had three touchdowns game. that night. I'm going to have to go back and watch the highlights from that game to see what the play even was because I really don't have – It was a 17-yard pass. I remember I remember Mikey had a really nice throw in the corner of the end zone. That was one of the touchdowns. I don't remember anything else. Yeah, it was that like it was like a rainbow throw. I love that touchdown. Yeah, it was beautiful. Um, but you're up here. You're, you're taking the over or under three and a half. I'm pulling up the Memphis highlights. Okay, yeah, we can – sorry. I really want to – I really want to – I took the under. Um, Did you? Okay. So I, I think the four contenders this year to throw a touchdown are Mikey, JRP, Ryan O'Keefe, and Thomas Castellanos. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's it. There's four. So I'd be gambling that all four of them are going to throw a touchdown. And I feel like that might not happen. I think Mikey and JRP will very likely both have touchdowns. I think Ryan O'Keefe might. I think that's like 50-50. And honestly, I think we'll see Castellanos against SC State near the end. But like, I think that they want to give both Mikey and JRP a lot of reps. So I don't think Thomas is going to necessarily have the whole second half to go crazy like Mikey did. So I don't necessarily, and he uses his legs a lot. So I don't necessarily see him throwing a touchdown this season. Call me, call me a gambling man. Cause I'm taking the over. Yeah. I knew you were going to take the over. You were so excited about even putting this one on here. <laughs> I love it. I love it because that's the thing is I took the exact same approach where Mikey and JRP, I think at some point or another, they're each going to throw a touchdown. I think those are locks. And I think Tommy will throw a touchdown. I think it might come against SC State. Maybe it comes in a game of a blowout against Temple. I don't know. I think he's going to get a chance to throw a touchdown at some point. Um, and then at, from that point, it gets up to Gus's bag of tricks, whether it's Ryan O'Keefe, whether it's Xavier Townsend, whether it's another player who, who takes an end around and throws it to a wide open tight end. I don't know. I, I think like there's just, I think Gus is good for one of those plays throughout the season at some I point. Agree. I agree. So that's why I took the over. I mean, I, it's one of those like weird ones where I, it's entirely possible that it's only two players, but hey, they hit four last year. I think, I think they'll hit four again this year, maybe five. No, not five. I can't imagine five different players throwing a touchdown. I found Joey Gatewood's touchdown. 
what happened? That's what I've been doing this whole time. Um, okay. it was this should not have kind of touched on. It was one of those pop passes where it's it was a hand. It was like a handoff to a key. Oh, one okay, of the ones okay. where you know, he like threw it. Yeah, it's air, a little. Kinda. He sort of chucks it in front of him, so it counted as a touchdown. But I. <laughs> That is not that makes sense. Like, what else could it have been, honestly? Because there was him throwing the ball. Like, I don't remember a downfield pass from him, especially not a 17 yard pass. So, does that one yard um, pass that was almost intercepted at the goal line against Florida count as a downfield pass? I mean, it went down the field by a yard. My spirits went down as well. I know that um, Auburn players or Auburn players, Auburn fans' big issue with Gus Malzahn when he, when he was there was that he's too loyal to his players. Like he really likes his players. He likes to give them opportunities, and it's hard for him to let go of a player who's not doing well because he wants him to succeed. And I don't, I didn't fully understand that until he put Joey Gatewood in in the freaking Gasparilla Bowl and called a passing play. And that was when I realized, oh wow, he is still trying to make Joey Gatewood feel like he's a quarterback. Well, the running plays with. Joey Gatewood weren't working, so they had to try the passing place. And it, it was a one-yard – all they were asking of him was a one-yard pass, and he almost threw a pick. And that entire game plays out differently if he throws that pick. So hopefully Gus Malzahn will become ruthless this year and not care about his players' feelings <laughs> even a tiny bit. I'm sure that'll happen. Um, all right, number eight here, total interceptions. We said at 15 and a half. Yes, we did. Um, I took the under. I also took the under. But okay. like I took the under because I think the secondary is going to be so good that teams aren't going to be thrown on them as much as they might. I kind of feel like I kind of went this way with some of the earlier ones where it's like, I still think like they'll have made 11 last year. I think they'll have more than that this year, but I don't think it's necessarily going to be that many more. Like I think yeah. interceptions, is, there's also just a, a sense of randomness to them. Like, yeah. like they could blow past it. Like I, we pulled up the, I looked up the numbers from past years and it was just like, the numbers almost didn't match UCF's best defenses. Like, like look at Richie Grant. Richie Grant caught six picks one year and then without a doubt was better the year after and caught a single interception and it was in the bowl game. Like, I just, it's, right. you know, it's just, it's sort of random. Yeah, I mean, something like the opportunities sometimes aren't there. Your secondary as a whole can play really, really well. I gave you this example. Like, the Buck secondary is, by all accounts, pretty good, very good at sometimes, And they just don't intercept passes. Like none of them, like none of their guys are really known as like they have one safety that's a ball hawk and they like everybody else is just solid in coverage. That's it. They have a lot of pass deflections, pass breakups, whatever you want to call them, but they don't pick off. Which pick part of that off. is if you're a corner or a safety, even a very good corner or a safety. I mean, the number one thing that you are supposed to do is make sure that that ball does not find the receiver's hands. Right. And catching the ball yourself is secondary. And we've seen teams get burnt really bad because a guy goes for the catch and tries to get the highlight play and it goes right through his hands and ends up with the receiver. So Hell Perryman. There you go. I don't, I don't even know what that was. It still makes sense. How did three different guys misjudge the ball that badly? I still don't understand how it happened. I'm glad it happened. Um, oh, I'm, I'm thrilled it happened. I, I, I just, just felt man. like, too, looking at this, like we said at 15 and a half, 16 interceptions, it just feels like a lot to bet on. I don't know why in my brain I was like, that feels like a lot. Yeah, but I sent you the stats. I mean, they've gotten past They've that. done it. Yeah, I mean, they've done it in, in somewhat. Last year they had but... 11. Um, okay, so I'll, I'll start in the AAC era. So I'll start in 2013. In 2013, they had 14. They had 18 in 2014. 18 picks in 2014. 2015, they had four. God bless the fans who were here for that season. 2016, they had 15. In 17, they had 20. Um, yeah, in 2018, lot. they had 14. In 2019, they had 13. In 2020, they had nine in the short season. They had 11 last year. So it's just kind of all over the place. Like, yeah, I have no recollection of 20 picks in 2017. Like, like I could see them ending up with like 13 or 14. That's still the under, like, I don't know. Even it's 15, funny to me like, that like UCF's defense was unquestionably, no matter how you want to look at it better in 2016 than it was in 2017. And the 2017 team had five more picks. Yeah. It's weird. I mean, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot to take into account too. Cause you look at 2017 where 
UCF was scoring a lot of points. Teams were throwing the ball a lot, maybe to come back from a deficit. And that was part of it, maybe, where they were picking off passes. It's also just the teams you play, too. I mean, yeah. you know, it's style, style play for your opponents. So yeah. it's a lot of things. Right. Number nine. Uh, we did this one last year. We said the same number here. So finish in the AAC. We said it at two and a half. And to explain this, like, what do you say over two and a half? Like, it can get confusing. So are they going to finish better than third or worse? Or third or worst? Worse. Okay. I feel awful about this, but I, I took the – I don't even know what I took. The over or the under? I, I have them in the champ game is, is how I would phrase that. So do I. Yeah. So I put I, I, I hate over, that I'm predicting that. I wrote I really over, do. and then I put parentheses meaning higher than third. And I did. I said I like them to go 10-2 ten, ten or 11-1 and one and make the title game. Uh, I, don't, I don't like that because I felt like that last year. I feel like I have – I feel like I feel that way this year for different reasons. It's weird. I feel like – I think the schedule is just really easy this year. The schedule's way easier. <laughs> or it's not easy, but it's advantageous, well, I guess, is yeah, how I'd phrase it. Because the up opponents are them. tough, but when you get them and how you get them is better. Yeah, it sets up better for them. I think they have more depth at, like, some of the key positions. Obviously, going into last year, you know, we felt like UCF had one of the top quarterbacks in the country, and he got hurt, so we don't know whatever that's going to happen. But going into this year, it's like I think they have two guys that are both – both can get the job done, especially with the skill talent they have. I love like I love the offensive line. I love the defensive line. I love the secondary. Like it's I, I just think they're gonna be and I'm gonna I'm gonna hate that I'm gonna come back in whatever five months and be like, wow, I can't believe they only won eight games. But like I don't I just and I think he's like you said earlier, like it's easy to go into a year and just be optimistic, especially as it gets closer. And I, I know I did it last year. I'm doing it again this year. But I feel more justified in doing it this year, if that makes sense. I feel, yeah, because I don't remember if I agreed with you last year, yeah, or not. You didn't. You want you yeah. said you think you had them third, and then I was really I high on SMU last year. I thought SMU was going to. You were also very high. You're high on Tulane every year. I'm not that high on them this year for like the first That's time ever. Sad. Well, they burned me last year, man. I like was so high on Tulane. Whatever, I would I would like literally be talking to like a friend who's like an acquaintance who's like, oh, I'm excited for college football this year. And I'm like, yeah, you know, Tulane and Michael Pratt, they really might be something. And they're looking at me like I'm freaking crazy. And then they take Oklahoma down to the wire and I'm like, I'm a genius. And then they just don't ever <laughs> win. So just, yeah. Ugh. But um, I also think I would have been right about SMU being really good if their coach hadn't quit on the team in like September. That's but fair. um. <laughs> The way I look at it is that in the AAC this year, barring something really unexpected, which which happens a lot in college football, but based on what we know now, there are only three teams in that league that have a realistic chance at winning the AAC this year. Last year, there were like six. There are three this year. It's going to be Cincy. It's going to be Houston. Or it's going to be UCF. So I look at it as I'm just gambling. UCF has, uh, since they're the only three teams in the mix, UCF has a 67% chance of making the title game when fair. you look at it that way. So <laughs> I'm going with that until Memphis surges or whatever. But And part yeah, of it too yeah, is there's... like, there's some of those teams on the edge, like Memphis, like SMU, like maybe ECU this year. I don't know. I don't, but think... I still don't really feel like they're really there yet. Memphis, I could see. I don't Memphis, see SMU maybe. yet. I don't probably see. not East Carolina. Like I don't know. SMU still got a good quarterback. I mean, that's sometimes that's all you need. They do, and maybe I'm having like 2018 bias, like what people with UCF. I'm like the coach left. They can't be good. But, yeah. You know, I don't know. I I just think that those three teams are the three teams to be. And I also think when you look at UCF schedule, it's like their road league games are at East Carolina, at Memphis, at Tulane, and at, at Tulane and at South Florida. Yeah. It's like the only one of those I really see them like realistically losing is Memphis um, at home. The only one. So maybe re- ECU. Um, yeah. ECU is like my new Tulane this year, but like, I, I don't know. I feel like in my head, that's more of like, we need to see, like, I'm not going to like lose here. the Memphis game, dude. We're going to the Memphis game. I can't lose that game. 
Yeah, I went to two road games last year in UCF. <laughs> I mean, yeah, year, I mean, I, so. I went to one of those and they lost. But I just, Do they you remember how we win. almost went to the Temple game at the last second? Like yeah. to the point that we were looking at flights and then we didn't. And then that was the only game they won. And I'm convinced if we followed through with that, they would have lost that game. I'm not convinced that that would happen. But yeah, I do remember that. We were like, maybe, should, we, should we fly to Philly this weekend? Yeah, what, we're, we're both just be? such spontaneous people. I'm amazed that we didn't. I wonder it. what that game's going to be this year where we're like four days away from it. We're like, should we go? Probably FAU because it doesn't yeah. require a flight. It's possible. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, and I said last week, I think my, my biggest disappointment for the season, my prediction was that they weren't going to win the AAC. And that, I mean, that means with the, that combined with this prediction is that they're going to get to the title game and lose it, which is possible. I don't, I don't care. Know. I'd be happy with that. If I could, if I could press a button right now <laughs> until that, the like, day and then you get there and you're like, I'm not happy. Okay. Well, let me ask you a question. So there are two buttons in front of you right now and you're God or something. I don't know why you have these buttons, but the first button you press it and whatever is going to happen this season will happen. The other button you press guarantees that what will happen this season is they will make the conference title game and lose it. Which button do you press? <laughs> the other one, the other one. The one of whatever happens is going to happen. Yeah, whatever happens, really? happens. Yeah, oh, I would, I would press the other one right now. No, nah, whatever happens, happens. Dude. I'd rather guarantee that I know they're going to be a top two team in the league and win ten games than risk that not happening. Even well, I see. I looked at, I looked at it from the approach that, like, hey, if you click the other one, then maybe they could win a conference championship. But also, they can, like, they can. And we talked about this last week. They can not make the conference championship game and still have a good year. I so disagree. I was thinking, I was thinking from that, I was like, they could still win 10 games somehow with the luck of the draw. No, that Bailey. To... They're either 13-0 and going to the Cotton Bowl or it was a failure of a season. I'm talking to the embodiment of UCF Twitter right now. I didn't know you That took... is how UCF Twitter is working <laughs> right now. So they <laughs> probably, there's someone listening that's just screaming at me for saying I click the button where they lose the conference title. <laughs> <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> um, all right. Well, now we're on to number 10. Uh, weeks spent in the AP top 25 set at five and a half. This is this a one, tough one, man. This one might be the hardest one and like the most just like, yeah, I wrote an Fans wrote listening an like paragraph. 16 weeks. I wrote an entire paragraph. There's so many ways this could go. Who just, who goes first? I, don't remember um, I think it's me because okay, this go is for it. an even numbered one. Uh, <laughs> I don't feel good about it, but I took the over. And I took the over too. <laughs> so here's, here's the paragraph. I'll just read my paragraph and maybe paraphrase some of it. So I said it's basically all about where the, the losses come in because I don't think they're going to be undefeated. I don't know when they're necessarily going to get ranked. But my scenario, this is the scenario that I laid out, was that their first loss comes to Louisville. So they don't get ranked for a while, right? They're going to – it delays the top 25 appearance I have here until after the ECU game. So I think they'll win the rest of those. They'll be 6-1 and one heading into Cincy. I think they get ranked heading into the Cincinnati game because they love ranking teams when they're about to have a top 20 potential top 25 matchup. They did it with Cincinnati for the college game day game. Um, and I said, they'll, so they'll, they'll make it on October 23rd, then they'll beat Cincinnati. So that'll be two weeks in this scenario. So Memphis could be the second loss and then they'd fall out maybe at seven and two. So it's still two loss or two appearances, but then I think winning the next week could get them back in at eight and two. So that's three, right? Wow, this is and then playing out the whole season here from there. I think they went out and if they went out, they get to if they went on the regular season, they're at the five. And I think in this scenario, they're in the conference championship game. They just have the one conference loss. And if they win that, obviously that's six. If they lose it, maybe they fall out. But I think after the bowl, maybe they win. That's six. I think they're I think I my number was six after this insane scenario that I played out in my head. That and is, I think it'd be more than that. It turns out that that was the other button you press it. It was the other happened. button. <laughs> and it was fun. Um yeah. I enjoyed it. I uh 
the issue is that UCF can be very, very good this year and still not even come close to the over. In 2010, UCF finished in the top 25 for the first time ever, and they spent two weeks in the poll. Like, yeah. I, I, I just, you know, and one of those weeks was the final poll. Like, I, so you just, the, the scenario I laid out, because this can go so many different ways, is here's why I took the over. So you start with SC State. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to go schedule. But <laughs> if they beat Louisville, which I, I, they can, you're, you're going to get two weeks right there because I think they absolutely will get ranked if they beat SC State and then beat Louisville. There's two weeks before you might lose again, and that's at SMU. If they beat SMU, there's your six weeks right there because they're not really going to lose again or risk losing again until Cincinnati. So, like, yeah. there you go. If they win those two games, you just hit the over, regardless Ooh. of what happens after that. So the that's why thing, I took the over. But the at the same time, thing, they could lose to Louisville and be ignored yeah. by the voters until November. So I have no idea. The other thing that came into play for me was, like, just this weird, weird, weird scenario where I don't think it's going to happen, but somebody got in my head. Who was it that released the top 25 recently and put UCF at 17? It was Phil Steele. Yeah, Phil Steele did that, right? So I don't I don't think they're gonna get ranked in the initial poll, but if they're they not, do, they're not if they do, or if they get if they if they're receiving votes and then you know they for some reason multiple top 25 teams lose and they're right on the edge of it, maybe they get in after being one and oh. I don't know. Like if they get in way earlier than I'm expecting, then the over is gonna hit. Let me ask you a really, really, really stupid question. Cool. Do you think that if John Walker commits to UCF, UCF is more likely to appear in the top 20, in the preseason yes. top 25? Yep. That's ridiculous. It's so stupid. It's but so dumb, but I feel dumb, like that yes. legitimately, that would sway at least a couple voters who probably aren't thinking about UCF to at least start thinking about them. And that's so dumb. the dumbest thing in the world. It's so dumb, but yes. Oh, if UCF man. gets Braden Marshall on top of that, they're like 15 to start the year. Like media will just be like, yeah, they're going places. <laughs> It's two guys that aren't on the roster yet. So stupid. Um, speaking of guys that are on the roster, number 11, as we're wrapping up here, all AAC representatives, we set at eight and a half. Here's another one I don't feel good about, but you're going first. So, so you go. I didn't process how angry I should have been about how snubbed UCF was from the all AAC teams last year. They only had four players named to the all AAC teams. I think I was mad for like a day. And then I forgot the only it. years that they had fewer than that was 15 and 16, 15. They went 0 and 12, 16. They went six and seven and a nine and four team that like, like what that went five and three in league play only got four players names to the team. So before we say, I'll give it to you by year. They had 11 in 2013, nine in 2014, one in 15, three in 16, 16 in 2017, 15 in 2018, eight in 2019, eight in 2020. They were six and four in 2020 and they got eight. But last year, <laughs> it's like this whole thing that we, I, I real like, I don't understand why. And someone was saying this recently on some podcast. I don't remember where I heard it, but it's like, it's well, UCF went through this weird thing last year where like the entire nation almost like just not even forgot about them, just chose to ignore their existence after they went off the radar early. And I guess that's just weird for UCF because like, that's probably how most group of five teams are every year. And UCF's just used to having attention, but usually UCF has attention even when they're bad. UCF was just gone. And it felt like that was reflected in the all AAC teams. Well, remember when they like, so going into the Cincinnati game, obviously for, for good reason, it was all about Cincinnati, but like, it almost felt like, like, oh yeah, here comes UCF. There was nothing like, on UCF, it was which like, I mean, that kind of got, pro- I mean, UCF yeah, got I mean, demolished. So it's yeah. not like we can come back and be like, they should have talked about us, but yeah, but it was one of those weird things where like going into the game, like it, it did. And I think from like a UCF standpoint, like we knew at that point, everyone was injured. We're starting a true freshman quarterback. But I think, like, on a national scale, it wasn't like, oh, this should have been a, a big matchup. It was just like, oh, it's just UCF. I think that if you are a national college football fan, you saw the headlines that Dylan Gabriel was going to miss the season. You're like, oh, wow. And then the next time you thought about UCF was when you saw that they beat Florida in the Gasper Bowl. I Probably. think for, like, most national fans, that was the UCF experience in 2021. Or so. the weird the weird ending to the USF game. They're like, oh, that's weird. They I don't even know. It was on ESPN. Center. Yeah, so. it was on ESPN. So, yeah, um, weird. All of that to say I took the under on eight and a half. 
Interesting. And I took the under because I'm just like, this is like, I don't know. I, I like it, the, the overs only hit four times in nine years. So, and it's only really hit in the years that they were, I mean, three of those years were years that they were actually, it's only hit in years. They won the league title now that I look at it. So for that reasoning, I take the under just cause I'm like, I hope it's the over, but I could see it not being. I was going to take the under and then I took the over just because for reasons I, I started like listing guys that I could see on it. And I have a whole list here. If you want to hear it, I actually um, would. But so you, you said eight in 2019, I think they beat that. And I have some guesses. I don't know. Like if, if they're as good as I'm expecting them to be, as far as making the conference title game, I think with 10 or 11 wins, like you look at that team, you're like, okay, you can pick a good nine or 10 guys that are on the thing, on the thing, on the uh, all AAC first team or second team. So here's some guesses, right? These are like the top guesses, which would be Ryan O'Keefe, Kobe Hudson, Lukahi Paule, who I think was on it last year, uh, Sam Jackson, and I have Matt Lee on there as maybe kind of a surprise one. I mean, he's very good. I just don't think he's gotten recognition at all yet. Is that a surprise? Um, he was first team his freshman year. Was he first team? First yeah. team all AAC? Yeah. Oh, well, then maybe he got, he got hurt last year, didn't he? He was hurt most of the last Sam Jackson was basically UCF center for half of So then what happened season. in, wait, 2019, did you say? His freshman year was 2020. 2020, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and okay, he was first yeah, yeah. team. Or, or he, uh, I don't know if he was, was first he or on, second, but he oh. was all A. For some reason, I was thinking of being on the freshman team. I'm going to look okay, it yeah, really anyway. quickly. He's back this year, so um, he would be the fifth one, and that's all in the offense. And then I've got Jeremiah Jean-Baptiste at the number six, and then Kobe Perry, who I'm just going to continue to double yep. and triple and quadruple down on. Devontae Brown, I think, is, like, going to make it. He can, he can make it tomorrow. And then I have Ricky Barber as another one. I agree with that one. I have to say, real quick, I, yeah, Matt Lee was all AAC first team his freshman year. Really? Well, yep. Remember, because the whole thing was UCF fans were like, we need to bench him after. Oh, the I do remember game. that because I remember I had like a very snarky tweet after that got announced. Yep. I just Even don't remember. UCF a lot fans for being very calm, measured, and thinking of the big picture. Um, and then I have some like guys that are kind of like maybe on the fringe, but could do. I think Devon Wilson was on it last year. So like there's a potential there again. Justin Hodges had a really good year last year. He has the potential there. Tremont Morris Brash, if he has like some high sack numbers, maybe. I think Morris Brash could pop off this year, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, that same thing with same thing with uh, Josh Telescar, possibly. Yep. And then Lombarski. the other one, right, right, right. The other one I named was potentially Jason Johnson. I have just the, the sneaking suspicion that he's gonna be really good. Um, and then even if like you know if they're that good, and it's the quarterback play has been a part of it, maybe one of the like, whoever the quarterback is, maybe they're in it. But I don't know. So I just named like fifteen guys, and if nine of them make it, then I win. I win. <laughs> what do I win? Yeah, I win. But I'm right. Should we put stakes on this? Should we have done that? We like to, mean, but we didn't do it for this. Album. We have like already have stakes on like two of our other things. Well, I guess one of them. One right. of them we literally have stake on it. So. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't remember which one though. We only have stakes on um right now. We have it on our our uh, transfer draft and the our transfer draft and our freshman draft. Freshman draft. We should put something on this. You can if you want. I mean, you'll probably win, but I don't care. That's why I want to put something on it. And yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, whatever. We'll think about it. We'll um, announce right. this week what we're putting on it. I want to think of it off the top of my head. Well, this one you should get right, and I'm probably going to get it wrong. Um, the last one we're going to do here is unique uniform combinations. We did this one last year, but it's a lot trickier now, isn't it? Yeah, we said it. Well, last year we did new uniform combinations. This year we said it unique. It's just ones. total. Because they're all new this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So unique. Eight and a half is what we set it at. And this is my turn to go first. Okay. I took the over um and i don't really have a good justification as to why because i don't know a lot of things like i i there was 10 last year i think you told me yep. um and with a new set i think they'll be we're not oh enough. we should say we're not kind of decals with this like actual uniform yeah, yeah. combos how much like color yeah. yeah um i mean i think they just they like to get creative i don't think they love to repeat a lot and 
I, I started like laying out <laughs> what like I could wear in some games. Like think about they're, they're going to wear, I mean, you would think at some point they'll do a blackout, right? At some point, maybe do a whiteout. I hope so. So yeah, blackout, whiteout, space game. There's three right there. And then you more. just kind of think, yeah, I, mean, I just think there's, I think there's, especially if it's over 14 games or even 13 games, I think they're going to get the over. So it's interesting because the information we have to go off of is Mahajer is like, every time this has come up, he's like, we're black and gold, man, black and gold all the way through. So I'm assuming a lot of black and gold. We sure are. Um, he straight up was like, anthracite's gone. Um, I'm assuming pewter isn't included in that because A, UCF hasn't even had pewter for like two years now anyway, like pre-pandemic. So I'm just assuming that's gone. And at the same time, I mean, I, I talked about this when we did our little bonus podcast that you weren't on the day they announced they're getting uniforms, or I think actually it was reported by Jason Beattie. The, they only extended the Nike deal for two years, which means there's going to be a new deal after two years. And if that's with a different apparel company, that they're going to have new uniforms in two years. And I think, I don't know this. I always feel like with the uniform stuff, I need to be clear, like the differences between like, I don't know, I'm, this is just me like spitballing, but like, like if you're only going to have a uniform set for two years, it might not make sense to stock like six jerseys and five helmets and six pants if you're going to be redesigning again in two years like that's a lot of money and a lot of inventory especially like why would you have a hundred something combos for what at maximum will be 28 games of use you know yeah and that's what i felt too is like if it's going to be the short life like shelf life of these uniforms i feel like they'll try to use as many like as many of the combinations that make sense yeah like some just don't look good right they're not going to do them. there are combos like there but, are combos they could have worn like the like no one wanted to see like black pewter gold like that's not like a combo I'm sure someone was, out like, there did clamoring for yeah it was um, me guys UCF I fans are weird but yeah i don't know i just think like i, I think i hit that took the over what'd you take i took the over i took okay the over. I, I think i think I, I don't know i was thinking I about like were, unless they like were, um what's the word throwing me off the scent when i named the three and you were like you still need five more yeah, actually, well, I well, six I, more. but I could see it's more than just them having. Okay, so one thing I did want to say is I, I'm worried UCF fans are gonna be like disappointed, or some of them will be because a UCF did the MS Paint thing like two weeks ago now. Oh my gosh, which was clearly a joke, like clearly a I joke. We've talked and about that, have we? We haven't, and all of these fans were like, "Oh my god, I can't believe that these are the actual uniforms." Like, wow, UCF's gonna have Canaveral blue numbers and a, all Canaveral blah 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 blah, and everyone's like making mock stuff. It was a joke. Like, I just it was a joke, and then on top of that. Jimmy Skiles. Especially, especially considering Eric DeSalvo posted a screenshot of the text from <laughs> somebody on his staff. It wasn't some was. masterminded plan. It was just like, wouldn't it be funny if we released like dumb MS Paint jerseys? And they were like, haha, yeah, let's do that. And fan, even Brandon Helwig was like, well, Canaveral blue jerseys becoming UCF. It's like, guys. And then on top of that, Jimmy Skiles tweeted a couple days ago after RBJ uh, tweeted a photo at him of a Citronaut holding a gun demanding uniforms. He said, <laughs> soon, um, minor slash modern tweaks to what has become our classic look. And like, I think like, and for some reason, fan, this blew my mind. I need to read a reply to that. So Jimmy Skiles tweets minor slash modern tweaks to what has become our classic look. And a fan replies, I feel like this could be a diversion. Seems like unnecessary, unnecessary downplaying when we're usually throwing no bones on UD info. So UCF is out here telling fans that this is not a full teardown and redesign. This is a modernization of the current uniforms. And fans are like, misdirection. It's going to be Canaveral blue this and gold that. Smoke screen, they're lying. So now I'm worried fans are going to be disappointed because like, I don't from that. Jimmy Scott's coming. I don't necessarily like, I, by the way, the uniforms very well may drop tomorrow. A bunch of people think they're dropping tomorrow. So like, by the time you're listening to this, maybe you've already seen them and this whole conversation is stupid. But like, I feel like these are updated uniforms more than like full on new uniforms based on that Jimmy Skiles tweet. So I feel like fans are going to be like, where was the Canaveral blue? Plus, it's just going to be think, really stupid. I don't think they need to majorly tweak anything. Like they look good as they were. They just... I don't want them to have, like UCF built a brand in these uniforms. They won the Peach Bowl in these uniforms and, and they're really, really good, strong uniforms 
uniforms, I don't think that they should have to completely tear down. I think they should keep the base of this look and then update it. Like there are things that need updated that need to be updated on these uniforms, things that don't look so good anymore. My biggest pet peeve, and I don't know if it's changing, I'm going to be throwing a fit tomorrow. Oh, I'm not throwing a fit. I'm just going to like look like a loser. They don't change The gold sleeve trim doesn't look good anymore because UCF has moved so far away from gold that it just looks out of place on a lot of their combos. But then again, Terry Mahajra is all pro black and gold now. So who knows? <laughs> But like, so there are little tweaks. So my favorite one is the collar still says rise and conquer on the back, which was Scott Frost's like phrase that lasted a year. And then he left. So like, there are tweaks that need to be made, but like, that's more the stuff I'm thinking about where I feel like other fans are like, I can't believe we're adding blue uniforms. And I just, I, think I don't know what to make of that. Now the back of the collar is going to say, Orlando is the future of college football or UCF is the future of college football Ooh, okay. around the entire oh. thing. But just like literally like through the state front of, of the Orlando. I don't know what it was going to say. <laughs> Uh, boom. What, else, what else do they say? It's gonna I say boom. It could say boom. <laughs> I don't know what it's gonna say. Charge on. I'd be fine just like GKCO. Oh, I'll be cool if they put GKCO on the back collar. It's it, listen. It's a stupid thing anyway because only the players see it. Like you've never actually seen the inside tag of the back collar, but like yeah, I, I like. I mean, I have. I have. Like a, I have the jersey from the well, yard sale. Yeah, but I mean, during the game, like you're not like no. asking a player like pull out the back of his jersey so you can see it. But That's fair. I don't know. Asking for that. I'm going to be so annoyed now if they, I said earlier in the podcast, if they drop tomorrow after your court today, I'm going to be so freaking annoyed. Well, I, I love that we did this because we kind of covered, we, we covered the John Walker thing and we covered some of the uniform stuff where we've already also said earlier that like we could potentially have two more like emergency podcasts this week. Aren't going to be like full length like this one. No, but, they'll be like 15 minutes. Yeah. But like we've, we've kind of previewed both of those things. Like I think it was a little nice little teaser. I think we did good. well, but I, the only thing I just, I want people to listen to this episode because we put a lot of work into it and it's a lot of fun. I'm posting um, it like the topic. second we're done recording. <laughs> well, that's good. Um, so let's jump into the football news real quick so that you can um, get this posted before UCF drops the uniforms tonight. Uh, the Division One Council, as you kind of mentioned earlier, they're recommending that the NCAA drops the one-time aspect of its transfer rule, which is a massive shift for college football, and it's going to have a million ramifications. Yeah, I'm not sure I love all right of them. Um, but yeah, we won't, we won't dive into it. Um, Ryan O'Keefe said this in the watch list season thing. Uh, things here. Ryan O'Keefe was named to the Bletnikoff watch list. Matt Lee was named to the Remington Trophy watch list. Kimor Gamble was named to the Mackey Award watch list. And Devontae Brown, unsurprisingly, was named to the Jim Thorpe Award watch list for the best DB in the country. Um, so those guys landing on the watch lists there. Um, as the player you mentioned earlier, four-star defensive back Braden Marshall from Lake Mary, listed as top three without, without much fanfare. It was just like a tweet where he was just like, oh, these are my top three down to three schools. And he listed Nebraska, Wisconsin, and North Carolina. And that major surprise because like, the general belief was it was down to UNC and UCF. And that was a really, really big surprise for UCF to not be in there to the point that like, I wonder if something's up there, like it doesn't make sense. I don't know. Something's weird there. That doesn't add up. But. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. I, I feel like it's weird. Cause you're like, okay, like, are they, they're out of the top three. Like if they're not in the top three, they're probably out of it. But I feel like this isn't one of those things where, cause when is he committing? This week, I also think it's noteworthy. Oh, it's Saturday. I also it's think Saturday, it's noteworthy that okay, so the only two teams that were like realistically like getting him were UNC or UCF. Um, he releases a top three that does not include UCF. No crystal balls to North Carolina have been submitted on two four seven, which you would expect to be the natural step here. So I, something That's was weird there. I'm not weird. saying he's coming to UCF. I just something is weird. Recruiting like, is something's so not going right there. I don't know. It might just be like it literally might be. I, I literally texted you. I was like, what if like I, I, this sounds like such a homer take, but like what if he is coming to UCF and just wants more attention for it? So he's trolling and acting like they're not in his top three in the neat. Someone UCF. supposedly did that over the weekend. I remember who it was somebody with the Texas, I think. Yeah, it was Kirkland. Like, he was, yeah, he was like, <laughs> yeah, out of nowhere. Proud. He never took a visit to Texas. <laughs> well, recruits are so funny. I know. What they really time? are. 
Um, I gotta uh, say last... real, really quickly, there's oh, a very, very small chance we could have three emergency podcasts this week. Why? Um, the Arizona Board of Regents has quietly added a special board meeting to its Wednesday calendar <laughs> with no agenda. No. So maybe that's not, re- maybe it's whatever. I mean, the universities do stuff like that all the time, but on the off chance it's realignment related, I'm throwing that out there. So hopefully if, if something like that happens, hopefully it's like close enough to either the uniforms or the John Walker thing. That it's not because people think the uniforms are Tuesday, which right. by the way, I don't know where that rumor came from that they're Tuesday, but it's gotten to the it's point where USF I, dropped them today. Is that why? But it's at the no, point I don't where know. I, but I don't know where it came from, but it's at the point where I believe it so much that they're not tomorrow. I'm just gonna be pissed off now and annoyed all day. I think it's just because it's two weeks since the MS paint tweet. So I think wonder if people just assume because they did say soon. Like two week. They did say soon, and that will be two weeks. So and but then, fall camp so, starts on Monday. I mean, that doesn't have a good for fall camp, obviously, but just like <laughs> you feel like they're gonna that's like the natural time to drop new uniforms it feels like also they have night splash tomorrow night oh. and uh you know yeah actually wait yeah i was gonna i was gonna say then the recruits could try on the new uniforms but i don't even know if they have the new uniforms yet but they might want to show them to the recruits at least probably um so. well speaking of night splash i was actually gonna talk about that. wait let me see hosting... think about the all the emergency podcasts we have this podcast then tuesday could be uniforms then wednesday could be realignment then thursday could be john walker i have remember how i told you last night how stressful and busy this week was for me yep i sure do oh my gosh what a time Go ahead, though. I'm actively rooting for things to not happen for the Big 12. So I'm like, I don't <laughs> want to do a podcast on this. Um, okay, so yeah, UCF's hosting a big recruiting event on Tuesday. Uh, Night Splash is a big pool party. Some big names are expected to be in attendance. I know Sincere Edwards, who's a, he's a 2024, right? Yeah. yeah. He's, he's a guy UCF's been on for a long time. going to be there. Uh, John Walker is going to be there. Is that true? I don't know if it's confirmed, but he's supposed to be there. It'd be nice if he was. Yep. Um, yeah, so I mean, some big names, and I think, you know, it's, it's a nice – who who else can you like throw in who else what other school can throw an impromptu pool party for recruits like west virginia do they have pools in west virginia pit pit of death um all right <laughs> other than, i don't know um i don't like pittsburgh um ucf will also host this is another hosting i grouped these all really weird this week ucf's hosting its fan fest on saturday august 13th another announcement that was not made with much fanfare Terry Mahajer was just like, oh, yeah, we're doing this August 13th. And he just replied to a fan. I wonder how often Terry Mahajer causes someone who works for UCF Athletics to pull their hair out by just tweeting what was supposed to be a major announcement. Because I'm pretty sure the first fan fest since 2019 was probably going to be like a big deal. And he was just like, guess what's happening on August 13th? You know what I just realized? What? So the last piece of news here, Isaiah Bowser and Jeremiah Jean-Baptiste will be UCF's player representatives at AAC Media Days oh, on I totally Thursdays. Media Days are on Thursday. <laughs> Yeah, but we were going to cover that. Next I know week, we're going to cover that on Monday anyway, because we're doing next week's podcast is going to be an AAC preview. Um, but it's just funny that like, I don't know, this whole John Walker thing on Thursday could be con- like compounded with media day stuff. So we might end up talking about something. That Nothing like day on super Thursday. interesting is going to come out of media day, no. especially since it's virtual. Like they're going to no, give us some quotes funny we'll that, talk like, about the quotes. I mean, we might be, rec- we could be recording a podcast on Thursday and we're just like, yeah, we'll talk about that later. And we'll, go, we'll be back with you about media day in like three days. So. Yeah, it's fine. Um, so yeah, that's that's the news. A lot going on in my life and in UCF's life. But let's go on to tweet of the week. Tweet of the week. Um, I I think this is the first time I've ever given tweet of the week to a uh, former UCF football player, a UCF legend, UCF like one of the biggest UCF legends. Which that is Kevin Smith, who if you weren't around back in the day in the early two thousands when UCF first joined Conference USA, arguably the most dominant single player in UCF history. I mean, just absurd stat lines. Teams couldn't stop him. And the sidelines UCF account tweeted like a Kevin Smith shirt and Kevin Smith replied and said, classic. And I'm like, ah, that's a fine interaction. Cool that he replied. (laughs) 
And then Sidelines UCF goes, wish we had NIL back then for you. Uh-oh, we've moved into bad territory. And Kevin Smith, who could have replied or liked the tweet or just been like, yeah, man, replies, had that same conversation. Thought about what I would have done had been had there been a transfer portal. Would have probably left to prove I could dominate Power 5 teams every Saturday. Just tweets that and, <laughs> and leaves. The, one of probably the three or four most popular and biggest legends in UCF history is like, if there had been a portal, I would have left without hesitating. Like, like, like what, what, and I'm not saying it's bad that that's true. I'm sure there are many UCF legends who would have left their portal. You don't have to say it, man. Yeah. You don't have to years later be like, yeah, I would have left. Like, I just, I it reminds me when it. Stephen A. Smith was like, let's be nice. Let's be nice. I mean, you're not wrong, but you didn't have to say it. This like, man has been on Miami's coaching staff for like not even a year. And now it's just like, go like just putting down UCF. On I would have, I, yeah, I would have been a lot better off not knowing that's how he felt. Which I, I was talking to someone and they made a good point about it. Cause I was like, cause my initial reaction was like, that sucks that he said that he shouldn't have said it. But at the same time, like I'm sure after Frost left, if there had been a portal, plenty of players would have. Oh yeah left but then someone made the point to me that it's like yeah 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 but that, that that's not him leaving because there was a coaching change or anything he's just saying no i would have left because i'm better than you see which like oh, it's man. funny to think about too because like obviously he had a great career at ucf and he did fine he ended up in the nfl so like and a couple fans replied to him like that they're like it didn't hurt you what more really changes like i, I don't I know what would have changed i honestly don't i can't I don't see know. him going much higher in the nfl than he did yeah i don't know uh, it's just one of those things where like yeah, I just could have left it, left it unsaid. Better could have just not unsaid. said that. I'm just, like, just not. Yeah, you didn't have to, but whatever. Um, all right. Well, it's the first time a UCF legend has gotten tweet of the week. I wonder if it'll be the last. Wait, have you not given Mackenzie Milton tweet of the week? I think you did. You know, what's funny. As I said that, I'm like, did I give Mackenzie Milton tweet of the week at some point? I, I may did. have. I don't remember for what, though. I don't either. Man. Who knows? But anyways, maybe that's Not him second. saying he would have transferred if he had the opportunity. <laughs> it's not what he said. Well, he did transfer. Eh, whatever. You know, it's all thing. Oh. Well, I mean, yeah. Yeah, um, <laughs> all right so uh well, thank you guys so much for listening we may be back this week probably we'll be back this week if we're not that's gonna be a surprise um but until we are back you can find us on twitter at bailey j adams 22 at by ca simmons and at night sports now we'll talk to you when we talk to you thank you for listening and we'll talk to you soon bye everybody <laughs>